the D-backs stunned the Dodgers and took both games in LA with the series now headed to Arizona. Can the D-backs finish off the sweep? You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. Go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com to see all the latest work by me. Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Now, for today's show, we got a whole bunch to talk about. We're going to be talking about the D-backs numbers at home. We're going to be previewing game three. But before we get to any of that, we, of course, have to start with game two against Los Angeles because I don't know how to feel. I don't know the I don't even know how to describe what I'm feeling. The emotions I'm going through right now is this D-backs podcast host. I've been doing this thing since 2020. I covered that 2020 season where the D-backs were supposed to have some expectations in 2020. Of course, COVID ruined a lot of things that year, but you had just signed Madison Bumgarner. You were coming off a decent season where you won 80-plus games in 2019. We thought 2020, the D-backs could be feisty. It did not happen. You go to 2021, this team... Had one of the worst seasons in franchise and like MLB history. They were absolutely atrocious. And to make matters worse, if you guys remember, the D-backs had a walk-off on the final game of the season 2021 to give themselves not the number one pick, but the number two pick in the draft. But we still got Jordan Lawler. I hope he's going to turn out all right. I think he's going to be okay. 2022, finally take a step forward. You get the debut of Corbin Carroll. The D-backs are feisty. You're like, you know what? If you get this team a decent bullpen, they might be able to make noise. Then you look at this season. I just want this team to be a 500 team. I would have been happy with that. They have blown away expectations from the regular season by making it to the postseason. And now they just sit one win away from the NLCS, from being one of the final four teams in Major League Baseball. If you ask me, not even before the season, if you ask me the final day of the regular season, will the D-backs be one of the final four teams? Of course, we're not there yet. But if you ask me, do you believe the D-backs even have a chance of being one win away from the final four? Do you think that's even possible? I'd be like, yeah, I guess it's possible. Anything's possible, but is it probable? Probably not really. And it's not just the fact that they're one game away from the NLCS. It's the way that the D-backs are doing it. We have yet to see the D-backs even play at home because every game has been on the road so far. Look at that first series against Milwaukee, a team that won 90-plus games of the regular season, a team that's been to the postseason a lot the last few years. Maybe they're not the Dodgers or the Houston Astros, but that team is experienced. They have playoff warts and against the D-backs, 
They took advantage early in those games, but the D-backs came back twice to win the first two games, sweep the Milwaukee Brewers, and you felt really good entering that uh, or exiting that series. I was like, D-backs did what they were supposed to do, entering the playoffs. I was like, I think the D-backs could win the wild card round and beat the Brewers. I actually picked the D-backs to beat the Brewers because I always thought the Brewers were a little overrated. I always thought they were kind of a fraud team for the regular season. I turned out to be right. And then the D-backs go on to face the LA Dodgers. Of course, I'm like, I give the D-backs a chance because, of course, we talked about how the Dodgers pitching was vulnerable, especially the starting pitching because the bullpen was elite. And because of that lack of depth in the rotation, I thought the D-backs at least had a chance to beat the Dodgers. But did I think they were going to go into LA and take both games off of Los Angeles? No, I did not. I'm not surprised to see that Clayton Kershaw struggled in game one because that's what Kershaw has done in the postseason throughout his career. But a guy like Merrill Kelly, who is 0 for 11 in his career against the Dodgers, dominates game one. Zach Allen never had a win in Los Angeles in his career, gets a win in game two. We're going to get deeper into game two in just a minute. But after the game, Zach Allen was asked about his team's performance, his performance. Is he happy right now? And like I said on yesterday's pod, I needed the D-backs to go into full Mamba mentality mode. That's exactly what they did, literally, bar for bar. I think Zach Allen listens to the Locked and Dimebacks podcast because he used the exact Kobe quote that I referenced on my previous podcast, the job's not finished. What is there to be happy about? Best believe this D-backs team is going to be popping champagne bottles if they sweep the Dodgers. Heck, even if they take this all the way to a five-game series. But if the D-backs win this series, best believe they are going to be popping bottles in the locker room. So let's actually dive a little bit deeper and talk about the game because once again, the D-backs offense came alive and was cooking early in this game. In the wildcard series against the Brewers, it was the answer backs, right? They had to keep coming back in that series. And it was actually one of the craziest things. I think it was they were like, the fourth team ever to come back from multi-run deficits in your first two postseason games. Something crazy like that. But against the Dodgers, we know the Dodgers are a team that scores often. You look at the Dodgers' first inning stats, phenomenal. But the D-backs are also a team that have very good first inning stats from the regular season. And they showed that so far this series against the Dodgers. They were able to get Bobby Miller out the game early. The D-backs offense was once again cooking in the first, was able to put a three spot in the first inning. That Ketel Marte double was actually the hardest hit ball of the postseason, if you could believe that. Um, the offense just... What they did to Bobby Miller in that first inning and then eventually getting him out the game early, really impressive stuff. like to see that the D-backs are getting to the Dodgers bullpen early. Now, in a series like this, where there's so many rest days built in, it's not as important. It's not as crucial to the series. Like Usually, in a normal three-game series in the regular season, right? if you could get to the other team's bullpen in the first two games of the series, you almost feel like game three is a given if that thing gets out of hand, but... Because of all the built-in rest days in this series, it's not as critical for the Dodgers for them to use their bullpen so early because they will get so much rest time. But even with that being said, it's great to see this D-backs offense cooking early. Corbin Carroll, I felt like he had a quiet game. Even with that being said, he was on base four times in this one. Corbin Carroll, I said, could be the best player in this series. So far, I think you could say Corbin Carroll is the best player 
in this year's playoffs. His slash line, 500, 632, 1,000. We've seen rookies dominate in the playoffs. We've seen rookies be the best players in the entire postseason series, right? In 2020, you can actually say Randy Orozarena was probably the best player in the postseason. But it is actually very rare for someone like Corbin Carroll to be the best rookie from start to finish in the regular season, actually dominate that, actually be so good as a rookie that he's probably going to finish top five in MVP voting. You dominate the rookie season, and then you actually carry that momentum into the postseason and actually go up another level in the playoffs. We've seen rookies be great in the playoffs, but we've never seen like a rookie dominate the regular season and then also dominate the postseason basically from game one to the last game that Corbin Carroll is going to play this season he has dominated the entire year as a rookie and we typically don't see that in baseball Corbin Carroll has been absolutely fantastic the other half of the Gabriel Moreno trade which we were raving about on yesterday's podcast was really good tonight Moreno a little quiet but Lords Gurriel Came through, big home run late in that game, huge catch in the ninth. He loves to do this little thing where he like turns his body as he's tracking the ball and he makes every catch look difficult sometimes in left field, but at least he gets it done. D-backs defense has been elite. That Ryan Thompson play, the Ryan Thompson, uh, you know, little bat, uh, the little Ryan Thompson bets comebacker they had. I believe that was Mookie Betts. That was the first error by the, the D-backs defense all postseason. And Ryan Thompson, like, slipped. I, I thought he could have made the play. Obviously, it goes down as an error, but it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like a routine grounder where he just fumbled the snap or whatever. I, I thought it was a little unlucky for Ryan Thompson there for the D-backs to get their first error of the postseason. But once again, the, the D-backs defense just has been incredible this series, this postseason, and the entire regular season. The Dodgers' bullpen looked good. They really were dominant. I mean, the Dodgers' bullpen entering this series was right there with the Brewers as arguably the best bullpen in the National League. They've been living up to it. Zach Gallen for the D-backs, he looked good for most of, the, most of this game. Got a little shaky there in the first inning, but worked through that. And then it was really that third time through the lineup. When he started creeping around that third time through the lineup, around the fifth inning, that's when we started to see Zach Gallen struggle again and... Some people were complaining that Zach Allen got yanked too early. First sign of trouble. Why are we pulling out our ace? Why are we pulling out our star pitcher in a postseason series against the LA Dodgers? Why not let him walk? Why not let him work through his struggles? And typically, I agree with that sentiment. I'm usually that guy that's like, leave your best players in. But I totally understand why Toy Lovello decided to pull Zach Gallon in that situation. Gallon, this season, when we look at the regular season, has struggled that third time through the lineup. And I also don't think this was like a Blake Snell World Series situation. Like, some people are blaming the analytics for why Toy did this. But when we look at that Blake Snell, like, World Series situation, like, he was like seven innings in. He was dominating and shutting down the Dodgers lineup. And then like after one hit, like he was yanked. Like it didn't make much sense at that time. You look at the Zach Gallon start. It was building toward him probably getting yanked because in that fifth inning, he ran into some, into some trouble. Then that momentum carried over into the sixth inning. So you had a sample size of Dodgers players starting to get a feel for Zach Gallon. And honestly, it did feel like they were about to pop off against Zach Gallon. So I was actually 
happy that Tori Lovello in that moment decided to go to the bullpen. And we went with Sal Frank, who came out at first, looked a little shaky, I will say. Some of those fastballs that, you know, go into the dirt were just going straight into the dirt and no one was being fooled, but eventually was able to get a big strikeout. And then Ryan Thompson came in, got them out the jam as well. Ryan Thompson, absolute superstar for the D-backs this season, retired the top of the order, no problem. The next inning, of course, had that little error, but then induced a double play ball. Like, the bullpen for the D-backs has been able to match the two best bullpens in the Brewers and Dodgers, and that might be just the biggest storyline from the D-backs' postseason. I mean, there's so many storylines, right? The D-backs have the best offense in the postseason. Corbin Carroll looks like the best player. The D-backs' rotation is clearly outpitching the Dodgers' rotation. But honestly, the biggest surprise for the D-backs this postseason might be their bullpen, and it was the biggest surprise down the stretch, but it has actually carried into the postseason because we've said before, this D-backs' bullpen the final month of the season, it was like a sub 2.5 ERA, and that has translated to the playoffs. Brewers, Dodgers, two best bullpens. The D-backs bullpen has been able to match it. When you have Sal Frank, Ryan Thompson, Kevin Ginkle, Paul Sewald, you have four dudes who you feel super confident about because shut down a game at any moment or not a game, an inning at any moment, an opposing team at any moment. I think the D-backs feel really good about those four guys. Like, the Dodgers have their chances in this game. First and third, where Freeman in the fifth, he struck out. Bases loaded, one out in the sixth. The, D, uh, the, the Dodgers were not able to come through. They had some big momentum-killing double plays. The top of the order has not going has not gone going yet for the Dodgers, and maybe that's a silver lining if you're a Dodgers fan. You're like, yeah, we're down to nothing, but the Mookies of the world haven't hit yet. Their Freddie Freemans of the world haven't hit yet, and maybe they'll do that in Arizona because that offense is crazy on the road, which we'll talk about later. But the D-backs have at least four dudes you feel good about in the bullpen. The offense is cooking on all cylinders. We see power right now from the D-backs. 15 consecutive playoff games with a home run for the D-backs as the second longest in MLB postseason history. The D-backs are just clicking on all cylinders. And with them up 2-0 in this NLDS, I definitely want to see them get the sweep in Arizona. Now, I want to preview. I want to do a little preview for Game 3. Talk about the Brandon Fott start against the LA Dodgers. But before we get there, I first need to talk to you guys about Jace Medical. Because everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so you so that you're not just hoping they have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. In 
don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the series XM app and search up Diamondbacks. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Let's do a little preview for game three of this series. D-backs versus Dodgers. Of course, the D-backs are heading back home up to nothing in the series. Who saw it coming? Definitely not me. I picked the Dodgers in four. And now I might pick the D-backs in four. I might pick the D-backs in a sweep. Who knows? But to do that, to sweep the Dodgers, you're going to have to beat them in game three. And right now, game three has the feelings and the makings of a slugfest. And why is that? Well, when you first look at the pitching for the Dodgers, who are they going to have on the mound? They might throw a little Lance Lynn, Ryan Pepiot cocktail. They might, they, they probably will do a little duo uh, of those two guys because Lance Lynn has just not been good this season. And if he's not good in game three early on, I think he will get the quick hook, uh, the quick hook in. Rookie Ryan Pepiot will come in. I mean, we've seen Dave Roberts, the manager for the Dodgers, waste no time pulling his starters. I mean, the legend, Clayton Kershaw, right? One out recorded in game one. Bobby Miller, the rookie. How far did he go into the game? Let me see the box score again. 1.2 innings pitch. Dodgers pitchers, excuse me, Dodgers starters have combined for two innings pitch so far in the postseason. So I think we will see a quick, quick hook for Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn has not faced the D-backs this year. But on the Dodgers, his numbers just with the Dodgers this year. 4-3-5 ERA, 64 innings pitched, 16 home runs allowed, 1.266 whip, and for some reason, his strikeout numbers dropped drastically, 6.6 strikeouts per nine. He is having an awful season, and I'm hoping, like every other D, like every other Dodger starter we've seen in this series, the D-backs can get to him early, and if that's the case, I think Roberts will pull him out within the first couple innings, if not sooner, if not after one out recorded, and bring in the rookie, Ryan Pepio, to finish out this matchup. And then on the other side for the D-backs, the reason why it feels like it could be a slugfest is because of a Brandon Fott who we need a desperate bounce-back game from because if the D-backs want to close this out at home in a sweep, Brandon Fott is going to need to live up to being the top D-backs pitching prospect, right? We know in his first start, he did not look good. Of course, Fott looked like a rookie in his first start. I think that's okay. You look at Bobby Miller tonight. He was also struggling to throw strikes. I think it's okay if a rookie pitcher struggles in his first career postseason start. Like For a pitcher, I just think there's a little bit more playoff pressure on you, right? You have to go out there. You got to be on the mound. It feels like the whole game is you know, impacted by what you do because quite literally it is. I think it's a lot easier to be the rookie batting eighth playing right field than the rookie going out there on the mound trying to shut down this, you know, vault, vaulted uh, Dodgers lineup with the Mookies and, and the Freddie Freemans of the world. So I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Fott struggles once again as a rookie because in that first start against the Brewers, Fott, yeah, not, not the best start from him. 2.2 innings pitch, 67 Pitches overall, three earned one, three earned runs, one walk allowed, four Ks. The D-backs were down three runs after the first two innings. Now, of course, the answer backs came to play in that one. But 
You don't want to see that from Brandon Font. You don't want to see him give up runs early to this Dodgers lineup. You don't want to be in a deficit against the Dodgers. The D-backs have done such a good job through the first two games to make sure they start off with an early lead by the time they take in a bat, right? And so hopefully they're able to do that again. Hopefully Brandon Font is able to keep the fastballs out the zone because if he's going to just let those fastballs live in the zone, uh, we might have some big issues. We've seen Brandon Fott already struggle against the Dodgers this year. He made two starts in August against them, four innings pitch, five earned runs, two home runs in one of them, 4.2 innings pitch, four earned runs in the other. Every player on this Dodgers team has a hit against Fott this season. Uh, except for a Miguel Rojas. So a lot of success against a Brandon Fott. But like a Lance Lynn, Toy Lovello is not going to waste any time to pull Brandon Fott, just like he did game one. He's going to get the Bobby Miller treatment. If this game gets out of hand, it won't because Toy Lovello will have such a quick hook on a Brandon Fott. And I do think a Brandon Fott is pitching well. If he's cruising, if he has a low pitch count, if he's like through 67 pitches through four innings, I can see him going out there for the fifth. But if he walks that first batter in the fifth inning, best believe he's going to get pulled. So uh, I'm very excited and very intrigued to see how game three is actually going to go. I don't think we're going to see a pitching duel. I think this will be the first game of the series where both teams are going to be trading haymakers back and forth. I really do think it's going to be like a eight seven game in game three i think it's going to be a heavy bullpen game maybe man's pie kyle nelson come in after um a brandon fight in this game uh of game three i don't know what's going to happen but i do think the offenses are going to be the major story and what happens in game three i think the team that slugs it out is probably going to win the third game i don't think it's going to come down to pitching so hopefully the d-backs offense and the d-backs bats can once again come through in game three and get that sweep over the LA Dodgers. Now I want to talk about the D-backs numbers at home this season, but before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about FanDuel because October baseball is back and you can make your postseason and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Join FanDuel today, and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. If you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen in the next at-bat with quick bets. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. And don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on the hometown broadcast when you download the Series XM app and search up Diamondbacks. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lock the Diamondbacks podcast. And if you enjoy the podcast, please follow me on Twitter at CareerTom24 for my personal account or look up Lock the Diamondbacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And please hit subscribe to Lock the Diamondbacks on YouTube and, of course, on all your streaming platforms. 
But let's talk about the D-backs and their numbers at home this season because the D-backs this year were worse on the road in the regular season um, than they were at home, quite frankly. And that's kind of... That's not shocking. It's not surprising to see that the D-backs are better at home this year. Um, most teams are better at home. And the D-backs, they didn't dominate at home this year. I don't know if that feels scary. Um, but to be frank, this team only won 84 games, so they really didn't dominate at home or on the road. The D-backs are only one game above 500 on the road with a minus 15 run differential. So the fact that the D-backs have only played road games in the postseason and have looked absolutely phenomenal. It begs me to ask the question, since that already happened, since the D-backs already have dominated on the road, is this series already wrapped up by the time they get back to Arizona? Because the D-backs winning percentage at home, 531. This team is just five games above 500 at home. One game above 500 on the road, where minus run 15 run differential on the road. But at home, their run differential, know what it is? 500. They're just a 500 run differential team at home. This team is barely above 500 at home. This team was barely above 500 all season and only makes it more impressive with what they've been able to do this postseason. When you look at the D-backs numbers, really dive into the players, the slash line of the team just improves when they're at home, slightly better average, OBP, slugging. They just do it all a little bit better at home. Now, the issue is they do score less runs at home. They are just 10th in the National League in runs scored at home. You don't like to see that, but at least individually, the players that you rely on the most get better when they're in front of their home crowd. The Martes, the Corbin Carrolls, the Christian Walkers, you look at their slash lines, all of them, raise at home but the player that might be the biggest x factor at home this series lords guriel he is someone that thrives at chase field his ops jumps over a hundred points when he's at home versus when he's on the road and how many times have we seen him come through with a big clutch hit this season the purple hair is waving back and forth and he's happy with a smile on his face. And you're happy as a D-backs fan a lot of times this year. So, Lourdes Gurriel already with a big home run in Game 2. I'd be looking at him to ha to uh, potentially have a big moment in either Game 3 or potentially Game 4 if we get there. But hopefully, Gurriel can put them away. And the rest of this D-backs lineup can put them away in Game 3. But when you look at this D-backs team offensively... um. Or not just offensively, from a pitching standpoint, too. They're basically middle or bottom third in all home stats, like run scored, ERA. They're basically middle or bottom third in all those stats. But that makes sense when you really think about the D-backs. Like I said, this team is barely above 500 on the season, right? So it's not surprising to see that they're kind of middle of the pack in terms of all the numbers that they have listed out. But one thing that does have to, one thing that does make you feel good that the D-backs can potentially clinch this series at home in game four you're still going to have Merrill Kelly on the mound 259 ERA this season at home Merrill Kelly we know is a stud we know is a beast already got the monkey off his back by dominating the Dodgers in LA let's see him take it to another level in game four if we get there because Brandon fought at home this season 
6.46 ERA. So really uh, not that impressive. And we look at the Dodgers coming into this series. The Dodgers are a team that loves to hit on the road. Most run scored on the road this season of any NL team. Now where the Dodgers are vulnerable is where we've always said they're vulnerable because even in the regular season, this pitching staff was middle of the pack when it comes to their road numbers. You look at ERA, you look at most pitching stats. This Dodgers team was middle of the pack. So I really want to know what's going to play out in the series. Will we see more of the regular season D-backs at home or will what we've just seen from the D-backs on the road in the postseason, is that what we'll need, is that what we'll see translate at home uh, this time around? Because that will be fantastic. I'm trying to go to a game this week and I would just absolutely, I would absolutely love to see the disappointment, the sadness, the tears running down the faces of the Dodgers fans and the Dodgers players. The only thing that concerns me with the D-backs going back home is I don't want them to get comfortable. Just because you're sleeping in your own beds, don't get comfortable. They need to stay hungry and they need to stay aggressive and they need to continue to be the more desperate team because that's how they played all postseason, like the underdog with a chip on their shoulder. So they need to continue to do that. But it's not just the D-backs. There's something also that we need to do as fans. That is show up to the ballpark. Too many Dodgers games in the regular season. It is like 70-30, 65-35, Dodgers to D-backs as a fan ratio. And we need to flip that this week. It needs to be 70-30, D-backs, Dodgers. Maybe that's overzealous, at least 60-40. We have to get that ratio up. I believe Arizona does have good fans when the teams are good. I think the Suns are evident. We looked at the Suns' home crowd when they were not making it to the playoffs with D-Book every year. You could get $5 tickets. You could go up there, be pretty empty. But since the since they got Chris Paul and they started making it to the playoffs, the Suns' home arena during the playoffs, one of the best playoff atmospheres in the NBA. You had the Suns and Four guy getting a fight. He became a superstar. You had the mayor of Flavortown showing up, uh, showing up to every game. That's what we need to see with the D-backs. We need to see, hopefully, KD come out, pack the house. We'll see what stars. Maybe we'll see even, a uh, what's her name? Emma Stone. I know she's a local to Arizona. So us as fans need to pack the house. Make sure no Dodgers fans show up. Let's make it a sea of Sedona Red. And let's get this sweep against the LA Dodgers in three, baby. Now, that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. We'll be talking more about the D-backs this postseason, of course. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Don't forget to catch the D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Go, sis.